You're listening to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue with Adam Bartels. Welcome to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue. It's my privilege to welcome back to the podcast, the athletic director for Purdue University, Mike Bobinski. Mike, welcome back. How are you doing? Thanks, Adam. Doing great. Good, good to be with you. Hey, it's always, it's a great day to be a Boilermaker, right? Yes, sir. As always. As always, exactly. Hey, lots of stuff to talk about, a lot of excitement uh, around the Purdue program I want to get to here in a minute. Also, just a lot of stuff to catch up on since the last time we've talked with a lot of, a lot of things going on in college athletics uh, that uh, affect Purdue sure. University and, of course, what you're doing on an everyday basis. Before we jump into those, let's just talk about some of that excitement. Uh, fall sports is off and running with all of our programs off to a great start with a couple more uh, taking off uh, next week. But man, just not, not just uh, volleyball and football, but all these sports are off to a great start. It's an exciting time. Uh, and we got the fan experience back. Let's start with that. Let's talk about uh, this past weekend. We had the, our first home football game in what, 645 days with fans in the stands. Let's talk about that feeling and the goosebumps and everything surrounding that moment on uh, Saturday night. You know, it, it, was a it was a tremendous week leading up to Saturday night's game, and you could sort of feel that energy and the excitement uh, building amongst everybody that you sort of came across. I mean, everywhere I went around town, on campus, and all that people could say is, I can't wait for Saturday. I can't wait for, can't wait for Saturday night. And, uh, you know, what? in a little bit of mist and rain and whatever we had that day, didn't didn't deter I don't think a single person I mean it was uh, you know the crowd energy was terrific uh, the student turnout was spectacular though you know the way that they showed up early and were present throughout the game and and, and really had an impact on just the vibe in, in Ross aid was was exactly what you we had missed for a year I mean it was it was so great to have it back to have people have a, have a great experience and to, and to reward them uh, for their loyalty and their and, and their sticking with us with a victory was a, was a, was a icing on the cake, to be honest with you, but it was, it was terrific. You know, it really follows on. We had a, you know, a couple of home volleyball matches week before, and uh, we had, you know, sold those both out and we had a, a record crowded soccer with our opening home match against uh, University of Kentucky. So it has been just terrific to see people come back in force and to really just enjoy that in-person uh, college athletic experience again. I know, I know, I know our athletes certainly feel it. They, when they ran on the field Saturday night or when our volleyball kids came out on the court or soccer, you know, on, on the, on folk field, they, they reckon, they notice it. They have, it, it energizes them and they appreciate that people would take their time to come out and support them. That's awesome. Yeah. I had the opportunity to come up on Saturday night for the football game and just walking back into Ross a by the, the Tyler Trent gate and just the yeah. goosebumps, the band walking, uh, marching down the hill there as I was walking in just the goosebumps you get walking back in there and just remembering all those emotions as you walk in and yeah, get to see, just get to see a very entertaining, a game, a close game that, uh, you know, was, yeah, I think, you know, the crowd played a difference there and you seeing uh, Purdue hang on and uh, for a hard fought victory. It was, it was a pretty spectacular night. That's for sure. It was, it was good all the way around. And to your point, I think at the end of the day, while you'd like to run away and win every game by seven touchdowns and not, not have to sweat it out. I think sometimes you find out a little bit more about yourself when you have to scrap and scrape and come back a few times and, and, and really uh, find ways to make, make winning plays at the end, which, which I was proud of our guys for doing. That's a, that was a, that was a positive way to start the season for sure. Yeah. And for sure. And I, and I think, you know, not to go too far off on this, but you know, I think that prepares you for future games. You, you've yeah. now been a little bit battle tested, you've taken a couple punches and, he fought back and came out on top on that. And that, I think that will help them 
uh, down the road as well. So no, the big the Big Ten is a close game league. I mean, it's that's that's typically the way things work. You know, you're going to play a lot of close ones, and learning how to finish them off and and, and come out on the right side of it is is, is part of, of part of building a successful program, no doubt. Right on. Uh, along with that, I mean, a huge part, especially for you and and uh, your job, uh, mm-hmm. having that fan experience back is huge a huge, huge deal for revenue in the athletic department and much needed revenue for the athletic department. Talk about the impact that makes, especially uh, kicking off at home this weekend. Yeah, it, uh, it certainly makes us breathe a whole lot easier. Um, you know, we, we had a budget number going into, we have one for every game. Uh, we, have, we had one going into the Oregon State game and we actually exceeded that number. So it gets us off to a really positive start for the year. You know, and then when you look sort of at a year over year comparison, Last year with no ticket sales, I mean, it's we're obviously beating the daylights out of, out of that uh, situation. So in general, uh, you know, we are in a very stable spot as we as we launch into this year, and uh, and and really thankful uh, that that we're there. You know, we uh, we were fortunate to come through the COVID year uh, without the need for reducing sports or taking out a loan or any of those types of things. Uh, you know, really, we we. we we did all the things that, uh, that that were available to us in terms of pay reductions and furloughs and operating just pullbacks and procurement, you know, deferring things as best we could. And then obviously raising, or not obviously, but but the, the, the real kicker was being able to raise a, a significant amount of money through the more than a game campaign. Now, you know, our, the Purdue community stepped up in a huge way. We set a goal of $18 million. We're at 17 point something at this point. Um, and, you know, we were just now a year into it. And so it, it's been wildly successful and really allowed us to come through this thing uh, in, in a very stable and, and forward looking position. We don't have to we don't have to wear the, the financial impact of last year into the future. And that was our goal all along was try to confine that whole circumstance to as short a time as possible. And uh, through the through the generosity and support of the Purdue family and community, we, we've, we've been able to do that. So that's a, it's a really great, great outcome. Couldn't be more well, grateful for it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's incredible response. And you mentioned, I'm glad you mentioned the more than a game campaign, because I was going to ask you about that. Just yeah. your response, you talked about the impact and what that's done because of the response, but your response to the generosity of Purdue people. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know any other way to, uh, to you know, to, to say it, but just, you know, our, our most sincere thank you. It's, you know, we were able to preserve opportunities. We were able to not really ever have to uh, significantly impact in a negative way the experience that we provide our students. And, and that's that's what that's why people support Purdue Athletics. It's about our student athletes, about it's about their experience. It's about our ability to provide them with a great education and, and, and ability and opportunity to grow personally and have great lives when, when their Purdue experience is done. And I think we were able to continue to do that even in the most challenging of times because people stepped up and helped. We, did, we didn't need to pull it back in those areas, where, which are the most important things that we do. Yeah, and you kind of just touched on it there a little bit. If you can expand a little bit, for the average listener who might not understand, like why does you know sports bring in all this money and where does it go? This is important because of helping the student athlete. Can you just expand on that a little bit for the listener who might not understand? Sure, sure. I mean, the, you know, the vast majority of what we do is, is direct student athlete impact, whether it be coaching, whether it be strength and conditioning personnel or medical personnel or mental health or nutritionists, you know, we've got a, a academic advising staff. We've, we've got a whole group of folks that are dedicated to nothing but, and then our facilities staff, obviously that makes sure they take care and provides the, a first-class environment for our student athletes. So that's, that is where the bulk of, 
everything that we generate goes into is to really, and then scholarships, obviously, but not an insignificant, you know, $12 million a year in scholarship support that, uh, that we pay to the university on behalf of our student athletes. So, you know, really that's, those are the focal points of, of everything that we do each and every year. And the fact that we're able to keep those things intact in a, in a really significant way, I think, uh, you know, it's just a, a really a, a great thing and uh, served, served our student athletes very well. Great. Thank you for explaining that. Yeah, it's such a huge deal, yeah. obviously. And again, having those fans back and being able to sell concessions, sell tickets and everything like that go, goes a long way. It's great. And just in general, just getting to see fans back in there and getting that home field advantage back. It's, like I said, again, goosebumps on Saturday night, just being in, the, in Ross State. So it was really cool. Yeah. A couple things I also want to talk on since we've uh, last talked, Mike. Uh, of course, the, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, is the name image likeness that the NCAA has uh, passed this past, I believe, spring or, or summer, I guess. Um, talk about that from your perspective. What is name image likeness and what that means uh, for Purdue University? Sure. So the name image likeness uh, opportunity for our student athletes and really student athletes around the country officially began on July 1 of, of this year. So July 1 of 2021. Um, you know, our approach, we knew it was coming, obviously it was, it was inevitably going to happen. There were state laws that were being passed around the country in certain regions. There was lots of congressional uh, chatter about potentially a, a national framework for name, image, and likeness. So it clearly wasn't going away. So we, uh, in March of 2020, we set about internally trying to prepare ourselves for that day whenever it was going to happen so that we could provide the very best resources and, and, and support to our student athletes. You know, there are things that we can't do and, and aren't in the business of doing, and that's in making deals. We're not, we're not out there prospecting uh, opportunities for our students, but we do wanna make sure that they're aware of, of how to look and where to look and how to evaluate and all the, all the sort of maybe un, unseen uh, realities that come with business opportunities, whether it be taxes or, you know, whatever, you know, there, there's lots of things that, uh, that sort of become a, a reality that, uh, that need to be on their plate as they, as they think about that world. So we, we put together an internal team headed up by Tom Mitchell, who runs our, our compliance area for us, but he had, a, he had a group of lots of other folks, both in our athletic program and around campus and some external partners that we've worked with to help us put together, uh, you know, the, the best uh, version of an educational program that, that we could here at Purdue. And uh, it's been, I think, launched very successfully. We've met with all of our teams, talked to them specifically about it. Uh, one of the way we've experienced it to this point, our student athletes have been just like you'd expect. They, they've, they've really gone into this in a really thoughtful way. They've asked tons of questions. Uh, they, you know, there's not a single thing that they've done that would be a sort of a ah boy that didn't feel good to me. It, we, we have, we've had none of that. Uh, we've had just under 60, I think, individual different transactions that have occurred at this point, uh, spread across 30 plus you know, athletes. So you know, some kids doing some of our athletes doing multiple things, uh, but none of it has gotten out of hand in any way, shape, or form. Um, and you know. The dollars have been, you know, relatively modest uh, at this point. I mean, I think there's in total of $34,000, $35,000 worth of opportunities. Not everything was reported yet because there are some quarterly reporting that, that will happen. Uh, but, but I feel to this point that we've managed it really well. Our student athletes have, have not let this become the focal point of what they're doing. They still are taking care of their priorities. Their priorities are obviously their education, making sure that they, they do what they need to do as a student. 
they've got responsibilities as a student athlete. I mean, you, you, you come on board as a division one athlete at Purdue, there are things that come with that, that you have to live up to those obligations. Then obviously their, their own personal development, their social life, they're getting ready for life after Purdue. All those things are, are, are really the, the top priorities. And then name image likeness is something that falls in there somewhere. You know, there's only so many hours in the day. You gotta, you gotta find time for, to make it all happen. But, uh, but again, our experience to this point has been has been pretty good. You know, the deals have ranged from merchandise deals, whether it be logo design and and sweatshirts, t-shirts, you know, gear of some kind, private lessons, camps or clinics that our student athletes have have given. Uh, there's a NFT, and if somebody can explain what an MF, NFT is to me, then I'm 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 all ears. I mean, I I have a very vague understanding of it, but. But we're we're in that world a little bit, uh, you know. All you know, things like that. And so it uh, again, nothing, nothing that's out of out of bounds or head scratching at this point. Um, you know, as I look around the country, you know, it's there are a few things that I look at. And say, I'm not sure that really is in the spirit of this, but uh, but that's going to happen. And it's not going to be perfect, and it's all brand new, and people are enthused about it, and probably trying things that over the course of time may not. St- stand up to uh, business sense from their perspective. You know, I mean, nobody's in the business of giving money away for nothing. And uh, you'd like to think at some point that, that this will settle into a, a, a pretty logical framework and one that will not really impact sort of the, the dynamics in college athletics in any significant way. I might, might be, be naive in thinking that and saying that, but, but I feel like it will level out here over time. Yeah. I hope you're right on that too. Uh, yeah. Hey, I'm with you. I don't know. I'm still trying to wrap my head around this NFT stuff as well. And I'm I'm glad you mentioned, you know, reminding the students and the students still are focused on, you know, on the classroom. Obviously that's their first priority there on campus. Yeah. Cause you know, people I've talked to about this, that's been their concern. Like, you know, you know, obviously they're going to still show up for practice because they want to play, but are they going to start skipping class to go record a commercial or, you know, right. do a promo shoot or something like that. So glad that, you know, they're still keeping that as a focus. And I, I'm assuming, like I saw, I think a couple of weeks ago, you can forgive me if I pronounce this wrong, but the Altius Sports Partners yeah. Program, <clears throat> I yeah. assume again, just to continue further education for these, uh, for the kids so they're making the right decision, right? Yes. And then that Altius is a group that's got really hands-on experience in the marketplace, particularly in the group licensing area. Uh, you know, an area that we don't have personal expertise anywhere on our staff. So we thought in, in order to allow our student athletes to understand the group licensing world, what they might be signing on for, what the opportunities might be, what the things that they need to look out for, that we wanted to bring somebody on that would be able to speak to that in, in a firsthand and you know, with, with real experience. And so all, we, we were excited about Altius there. Their initial educational session that they held with our student athletes and, and several coaches and other staff were there was really excellent. I mean, it was at a different level of sophistication and, uh, and, and I think it was a real eye-opener for, for our student athletes. And, and I think they really appreciated, you know, having somebody come in that had that level of expertise and, and the ability to speak to them um, in a real sort of hands-on practical manner about how that world works and, and what they should be looking for as we move into the group licensing space here soon. Yeah, for sure. My uh, last question on this, Obviously, this is a great thing for the student athlete, but just curious, like, what does this change for you or for a coach every day? Does this make managing this and making sure we're remaining within compliance? Does that make yeah. this a lot trickier yeah. or does this kind of help alleviate some concerns? What's your you thought? You know, uh, it, it, does it add a little bit of complexity? Sure. It's, a, it's one more thing for our compliance team to keep their eye on. 
uh, amongst many different things, some of which, you know, if you honestly ask my opinion, I, you know, we, we, because of the complexity of the NCA rule book and, and some of the rules that honestly, at the end of the day, probably don't really serve a great purpose. Uh, you know, there, there's lots on, on our compliance teams played already. This is one more thing that uh, they, they but, but I think, you know, for them, it's sort of a, it's a new thing in an area that they want to, you know, they're, they're trying to help us be the very best we can be and be as good as anybody in the country from that perspective. So I think they've taken that on in a really positive way from a coaching perspective. I think, uh, you know, it's, it's again, something that, that coaches will want to monitor to make sure that plays are being respected and, and, and student athletes aren't diverting too much time and energy and, and or not bringing things into their locker rooms or into the team dynamic that are disruptive. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's something I think if I was a coach, I'd probably be concerned about worrying if, if, if players were devoting too much time and energy uh, or somehow dividing locker rooms over these type of deals. We, we have seen no such evidence you know, on our, in our footprint to that effect to this point. So I, I don't expect that'll, that'll be an issue, but, but I think being aware and being vigilant is, is important. Yeah, for sure. Well, awesome. Thank you for uh, just expanding on all that. It's, it's an interesting subject that we're still kind of, you know, get, like you said, gathering information and figuring out. Yeah. And I'm sure it's going to change as the years go on, too, just to make sure everything yeah, is on, on the up and up. Well, another big deal that's happened more recently, too, that I'm still trying to wrap my head around as well is this Big Ten Alliance deal that you guys uh, did with the, the ACC and the Pac-12 announcement a couple uh, weeks ago or so. Kind of explain what that is and then talk about your involvement in that. Sure. Uh, so, so the alliance at this point is uh, honestly more concept than it is reality, um, and I think that's the challenge: is to take it from concept into reality. Uh, but I personally am excited about the possibilities. I think as we look around the landscape of college athletics, knowing that there are many things that are in play and in motion right now, including the, the governance structure of of the of college athletics, what that's going to look like. I think having ourselves philosophically positioned uh, with people that think like we do in the Big Ten, that value education as, as, as the primary goal, not that others, everybody does at some level, but I think our three conferences really represent that and have lived that in a very tangible way. Uh, having, having partners that can help us as we work through this restructuring of the NCAA, uh, as we look at future championship opportunities, whether it be college football playoff expansion or other opportunities that people that 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 we again look look like and think like uh, I think will allow us to have more impact and maybe control our destiny a little bit more as to how things might look down the road. You know, the the, the practical reality of scheduling um, contests between the three entities um, that will be challenging to pull off in some ways. But lots of it's already happening. You know, if I, I looked out and, did, and looked at, for instance, our football schedules, I think of the 28 or 20, whatever the number of, of non-conference games that are already, you know, fully contracted and agreed to that we have beyond this year. Uh, I think 22 of them are against either ACC or Pac-12 teams. And that's counting Notre Dame as an ACC counter because of their relationship. Uh, so we're, you know, it, it would be not a, not a complete drastic change in philosophy for us to be able to accommodate a, a game a year against an ACC and a Pac-12 team. Uh, so I, I think there's, there's, there's real value in that. There's, I think, viewership interest because it's, those are legitimate games against good teams, good programs, recognizable schools. Those, those, are, those are good opportunities. 
you know, on the basketball front, on the men's and women's side, we already have the ACC Big Ten Challenge, so that's already happening. We play this year. I know we play other ACC teams. We play other uh, big teams around the country, and uh, adding a Pac-12 element to that doesn't seem to be impossible for us either. So uh, I, I think there's some some things that could be really really enjoyable as we go down the road. And you know, if you look at the ACC, sort of has the East Coast and the Mid Atlantic covered. Pac-12's got the West Coast covered. You know, we've got the middle part of the country covered. It's kind of an interesting, you know, coast to coast opportunity to have competition uh, that that really spans the entire country, and that's uh, that's exciting to me. That's awesome. Hey, well, we're parked on basketball. I have a pitch to you. Not that my opinion really means anything, but with this alliance uh, with Purdue in the Big Ten and of course UCLA in the Pac-12, uh, and the John Wooden connection between the two schools, I love to see a, a John Wooden classic played every year between Purdue and UCLA alternating uh, home courts. There you go. I'll make I'll make sure that that gets done. Awesome. <laughs> Add it to your long list, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, one other question too. What do you think this kind of means for uh, just like the long-term future of the conference? Or is it way too e early to even speak on what that might mean as far as realignment? I, I think it is. I think it is. I think it is early. I, I would tell you this from a big, from a pure Big Ten perspective, you know, with things moving around, around us at this point, obviously the Big 12's got, you know, departures and and potential incoming uh, members and, and other things happening. The great thing about the Big Ten is that we are really solidly positioned. You know, we've got a very stable uh, membership. We've got a very connected membership. We've got great media deals in place. Uh, those are, you know, with great partners. Uh, so I, you know, there's no there's no motivation uh, or, or necessity for us to, to to need to leap into action here to be responsive to what's going on around us. We're in a we're in a very very good spot in that you know, sort of dealing from a position of, of strength and stability and that, you know, in a world that's changing, you know, and moving around a lot, that's a good place to be in. So uh, I, I don't know, you know, how, what and how the Alliance will play out over, over many years. Um, but, uh, you know, there, there'll be no immediate drastic impact, nor is there one needed from a big time perspective at this point. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I don't think we need any more, but I know there's rumors swirling about, and I don't know how much you can comment or at all, but I know there's rumors swirling about maybe an Iowa state or a Kansas Joining the Big Ten here in the future, and too early to you know, talk about that. So the, the practical reality of expansion for any conference these days is, you know, when you bring a member in, you they have to bring as much or more value than than what we all share in individually as members right now. Yeah. You know that number in the Big Ten is significant. So so a team would have to come in and add incremental value greater than their share that they'd be taking out, and that's. That's not easily done. That's not easily done. I'm not sure there are any slam dunk uh, prospects for that, uh, that that jump to mind here that are available. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot more that goes into it than just saying, come on over. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, there is. <laughs> hey, as we're wrapping up, a couple of things I just want to hit on real quick. Uh, before I forget this, I saw a really cool thing yesterday uh, on campus uh, with Senator Ty Young coming up to campus with you and President Daniels uh, presenting the uh, congressional record to uh, Chad Clisby, the son of Larry Clisby. How cool was that? It, it was great. It was really terrific of Senator Young to come and, and take the time to do that. Uh, you know what he did. He presented Chad with a, a a copy of what was been what was read into the congressional record, and it was you know and he read it. He, he read the entire document yesterday to uh, to Chad and President Daniels and, and and the few media that were there. It was awesome. I mean, it really, it really was. It was a really touching and and really accurate tribute to to Cliz and. Uh, 
and the impact that he had on so many people over so many years and the way people identified his voice and his unique way of calling a game with Purdue basketball. Uh, you know, there aren't, there, there's only a handful of folks around the country that, that sort of become identified you know, without, without a doubt about, about with a program. And, and Cliz was one of those. And, uh, you know, obviously our, our fan base, I think valued tremendously his role and what he did for, for Purdue athletics over many years. And he was, uh, as somebody said yesterday, I think he, he was not your typical, uh, just radio guy, I mean, he would, he would, <laughs> but I was on plenty of trips with Cliz and he would offer opinions about strategy and about, you know, what, I mean, about, about everything about in and around the game, which was very entertaining. And, uh, but he's seen enough games to, you know, to have some legitimacy in what he, what he was offering up. So, uh, he, he would definitely, you know, we'll all miss him. He fought, you know, so hard against uh, that horrific uh, cancer disease that he had, that, but, uh, you know, left a, left a mark that uh, will will stay with us for, for many, many years. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, never, I mean, just the legacy will certainly live on uh, for Cliz. Yeah. Uh, that was, yeah, it was great to see that. I was glad to see uh, Senator uh, Young come up to campus and present that. That was really cool. Yeah. Well, and also speaking of basketball, just shortly before we jumped on this uh, recording of this call, the uh, Big Ten schedule was released. Have you had a chance to look, look over it yet? And just uh, any early thoughts? Just gave it a quick, uh, quick glance. I think it looks to me like we're probably significant. You know, we're, we're pretty heavy front loaded in terms of some of the bigger tests, particularly away from home uh, are, are in the early part of the schedule. Uh, so we'll need to be good coming out of the non-conference and ready to go here in, you know, in December and then into early January. I, I, I'm confident that we will be, but uh, you know, the league is going to be, I think, really, really good again. Uh, there'll be some, there's plenty of teams in there that you're going to, literally every team, you're going to have to show up every night to be ready to go or else it's going to be a, going to be a long one. So, uh, which is exciting. It's great. You know, yeah. college basketball season is, is great fun and, uh, looking forward to, to, to the season this year. Yeah. No cakewalks. That's for sure. I'm excited. Uh, December 3rd is the home opener. I think it's the big 10 opener, which is also at home in Mackey. So that'd be awesome. As long as everything tracks forward with fans back in the stands, just to yeah. get to, to have that happen. And of course, uh, I don't know if you had anything to do with this, but senior night, uh, the last uh, game of the season against IU at home. So that's going to be a pretty uh, awesome uh, event as well, that's for sure. Had, had, nothing, had nothing to do with it, but obviously <laughs> the environment will be spectacular as it always is. And when you add in the senior night dynamic, uh, that'll be a special a special time for us. Yeah. And hey, the, the whole schedule, non-conference, like I think you kind of just touched on, this schedule is tough. But awesome thrill with uh, uh, thrilling opponents, and, and you know I talked about this on our previous podcast with the uh, the Boiler Breakdown pod guys about just you know I love this. You know a lot of people say, well, man, you're gonna take might take some losses in there, but man, they sure are battle tested. You know, and I, I love that Coach Peters and whoever's all involved is not afraid to play tough games uh, throughout the season in the non conference. Just I just feel like it just gets the team better for uh, you know come com- conference tournament and tournament play for sure. No question. And, you know, and you'd love to win them all, but nobody, you know, almost nobody wins them all. Uh, it's, you know, uh, but I, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, I think you learn a whole lot more about your team in those kind of tough environments and against those kind of tough opponents than you do if you're just rolling over people, yeah. you know, 12 times and then get into the conference. So I, I, I like our approach. Yeah. yeah you, you know, you, you definitely put yourself out there. There's a risk of not and a likelihood that you don't win them all. But, but I think, again, you, you become a better team through that process. Yeah, that's for sure. Hey, Mike, as we're wrapping up, anything else that I haven't asked that you just wanted to touch on? I don't think so, Adam. I think I'm you know, just excited to continue the fall here and, and hope seasons move in a, in a positive direction and looking forward to seeing everybody uh, on campus here at some point during the fall. 
All right, awesome. Thank you, Mike, for your time. I appreciate it. I love our conversations and we'll look forward to doing it again in the future. Terrific. Thanks for having me, Adam. Take care and boiler up. Boiler up. A reminder, you can follow the Full Steam Ahead podcast on Twitter at Full Steam Pod. And you can always listen to, like, comment, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and tune in. Thanks again for listening to the Full Steam Ahead podcast. Until next time, I'm Adam Bartels.